Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we interview women executives, leaders, and entrepreneurs. And you're listening to the Well Woman Show, where motivated women achieve fulfillment and well-being. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. Take time for myself by coming to things like Well Woman Drinks. To be accepting of myself no matter what. Step away from judgment as much as possible. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. Just, you're going to be in for a good ride. I don't regret anything. Everything I've ever done, I've learned from it, one way or another, good or bad. Being a little bit selfish for yourself, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first and then give what's left. I'm a woman. I would prefer to, to tell my own story. My story, though it's very personal, is universal. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. And now your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hi, Giovanna Rossi here, and welcome to another episode of The Well Woman Show, where I interview women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs about their lives and their road to becoming and being who they are today. Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed with your responsibilities, and it seems like you'll never get it all done? Well, you're not alone. We all need to remember to use our superpowers, the ones we already have, but we don't use all the time, and take advice and wisdom from one another. Toward the end of the show, in a segment called Superpowers for Success, I ask my guest about her superpowers, and the answers will give you strength, perspective, and power to keep on being the well woman you are. I'm so happy you're here, so thanks for tuning in. Today's topic is emotional well-being for physical health, and hopefully by the end of the show, you'll be inspired to consider listening to your emotional health when your physical health is off looking into whether or not you have balance in your life and how you can attain it, and taking some tips from a doctor about living a healthier life. My guest today is Dr. Lori Eanes, who is an osteopathic doctor, an instructor with Food for Life, an EFT practitioner, and featured spokesperson on television. Dr. Lori has designed a cooking class, Let Your Food Be Your Medicine, where she teaches the healing power of foods and she hosts an annual retreat to wellness in lovely locations around the country. Today, I speak with Dr. Lori about achieving emotional well-being for physical health, the mind-body connection, and how to nurture it for optimal health and creating balance and the wake-up call that made her realize she needed to slow down. The free giveaway today is Dr. Lori's Do As The Doctor Does worksheet. I really like this worksheet because it gives you a list of simple, doable, daily tasks to immediately improve your digestion and overall health. Now to my interview with Dr. Lori Eanes. I'm speaking with Dr. Lori Eanes this afternoon. Welcome to the program. It's such a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, I wanted to first start with asking you um, what you're working on and how it impacts women's lives and well-being. Oh, well, there's a lot to tell about that. You know, I think the thing that I noticed um, after 15 years of practice from the emergency room to urgent care, family practice and integrative medicine and having worked across the country from California to the Caribbean, that there's a trend. Women use the healthcare system 
more than men. And uh, our national trend is that we're not getting any healthier. In fact, we're actually getting sicker, more heart disease, more diabetes, um, and more cancers. And obviously with those numbers, we have to recognize that women are in that group of getting less healthy. Uh, A big part of that has to do with our lifestyle and our lives. And women are taking on positions of power more than ever. And what we also recognize is that heart disease is a growing element in the healthcare of a woman, um, more so than a man. So we know men are always under stress and have always been, at least that's what they've been telling us. Yes. And so, but now as women are stepping into the roles that men once had, our uh, rate of heart disease is increasing at a much higher rate than what men have experienced. So it's really, for me, it's really critical that I am not just treating patients, but teaching women in particular, how to remain healthy with this. Um, On my website, you'll find a newsletter and I give you at least once a month, healthy tips for healthy eating, managing stress, and eliminating and preventing disease. So that's one of the things you can find on drlaurieeans.com. You can find that there. So that's one of the things that I feel like instead of simply treating, I get an opportunity to teach patients about their health and their well-being. Yeah. So there's a lot in what you just said in the opening there, and I want to pick up on a couple things. First of all, your your perspective on health now does that come from your training in integrative medicine or does that is are the roots of that in your um your medical training? Well, I'm going to say probably not so much in my medical training. Here's the other thing that I know is doctors are experts at disease, but we don't fare so well when it comes to disease prevention. And my interest in healing on a different level and using all forms of healing from cultural medicine to conventional care came, I think, probably early in my adolescence when I recognized my family using um, simple self-care methods, um, home remedies. And I really sort of adopted that there was another way to heal, not just by what you did by going to the doctor. So that was a big part of it. And I think that's what drew me to one being a DO or an osteopath because you know the original tenet of osteopathy was to take a holistic approach to healing and so that was one of the things that drew me into osteopathy but also from there I began to study more and more integrative medicine um, from everyone to uh, Andrew Weil uh, also yeah Jeffrey Bland, functional medicine. And currently I've been training with Dr. Joe Dispenza. You are the placebo. Amazing cutting edge work. And they were pioneers in the early days. Now it's becoming more recognizable that there are other ways to heal. And we're just hoping that conventional medicine catches up. And on that note, when you practice holistic healing, is insurance covering this now? Like, are your patients able to, to use their insurance to see you or is it always private pay? Well, because at this stage I'm practicing in two forms. One as a contracted physician for various healthcare uh, organizations uh, throughout the state and other states I do practice in as well. So in that case, people are relying on their insurance coverage. 
as we see this newly developing healthcare system, yes, they are adding at a very low level some integrative care, which may include chiropractics, acupuncture, and massage. But for the most part, that hasn't happened on a full scale yet. Um, Now, in my health coaching practice, no, that is not covered by insurance. And most insurance companies these days are not covering health coaching, which really is where we need to be in terms of teaching, Mm -hmm. not just treating, teaching others how to stay well um, so that we do take the burden off of our healthcare system, but also people can live more fuller lives. Mm. I mean, I think that many people have accepted uh, um, chiropractic and um, acupuncture as forms of healing that are, you know, sort of more mainstream now, even though they weren't. But what about emotional freedom technique and tapping, oh. which I know you're trained in? Yeah, so emotional freedom technique. Uh, EFT, or what we call tapping, is a form of energy psychology. And Developed, I'm going to say, I think the early 50s. I may be incorrect with that data, but my recent training has been with an amazing author, Dawson Church. He is the author of The Genie is in Your Genes. But even uh, more astounding, his work has been with veterans. And he started the Veteran Stress Project with the military system. Because what we recognize is our servicemen and our troops that are coming back from war, and they've been in war for a long time, are really coming back suffering from a lot of emotional trauma. And there needs to be more than one way to begin to help reverse and heal that pain that they're experiencing. So with EFT, it is a whole tapping system that really utilizes the um, acupuncture meridian system. So it's it's founded in Asian or um, I'm going to say Asian medicine. And it has from recent studies, a 67% effective rate in countering the PTSD trauma that our troops have experienced. Now, here's what I say about that. If it is that effective for those who have seen what we've never experienced in most of our lifetimes, then for our everyday stress, it has to help. And it does. So just for listeners, um, can you explain very briefly exactly what the tapping is? I know you take your fingers and you tap on different parts of your body. Yes. So you use... Um, Some these... people think we might be talking about tap dancing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I would love that too. I think that could have some effectiveness yeah. <laughs> as well. Dancing is always effective for healing. I'm a former dancer, so I have to say that, mm-hmm. uh, former and current. Um, but tapping actually utilizes the meridian systems that you tap on. You actually put a verbal context t- context in place in terms of what you may be experiencing. So if you're experiencing pain, you might put a context in place that addresses that pain. So it's you start at a place of acknowledging what the disorder is, whether or not it's pain or it's fear or it's some other discomfort that you are experiencing in your life. And you acknowledge that, but you also acknowledge you are okay right where you are right now. And so there's a whole verbal context that you can put in place. And it's very individual 
individual. Mm -hmm. So it has to take place with where the individual is. Some people it's pain, some people it's more uh, emotional stress Mm -hmm. that they're experiencing. So, and using this whole system of tapping throughout these uh, selected points in the body that you tap on with a verbal context, what we've noticed is as you continue to do maybe one, two, or three rounds of that, you notice something in the body changes. Part of it is activating the same meridian systems that an acupuncturist would use. Um, the other part of it is disconnecting the brain from the ruminating thoughts that we continue to have that places us in that same condition. Mm. So the idea is that if you're physically tapping your body in different places, you can't be having, you can't be overthinking it at the same time. That's exactly right. The brain cannot do that. It's so you have to place the brain focuses its energy. Um, well, when we do energy medicine, it says energy goes or energy flows where the mind goes. So yes, if you are disconnecting the mind from a certain thought, then your energy starts to reset itself. And so it's a process of resetting the brain. And um, you can use it from... uh, Flight travel from, you know, if you're a fearful flyer, good, good place to start, you know, at the airport, you can just start tapping and you notice, huh, my energy is calming down. And so really, I mean, it it doesn't get any better than this. No known side effects. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So using that example, if you're at the airport trying to become calmer about flying, Do you need to be saying something to yourself at the same time, which is like the verbal? Yeah, well, you can. But, you know, I have found that you once you start doing this practice, you don't always need the the actual sound, the verbal sound. You can create the context in your mind, even though I'm afraid of flying or I feel fearful or I'm jittery about this experience. I deeply and completely accept myself and know that I am in the hands of the most safe, this travel available Mm -hmm. to us. So you create this sort of verbal context. It doesn't have to be verbal. No, it might look a little strange if you're in the airport having this conversation with yourself. TSA may pull you aside. (laughs) But the verbal, either saying it out loud or saying it to yourself quietly, it needs to um, address the actual fear Mm -hmm. and then somehow resolve that. And then set up and understanding that you're okay where you are and that essentially you are safe. You are not in a place of distress. That Uh, could really head off a panic attack. Simply by acknowledging where you are? Yeah. Well, I think if you're set for panic, it will, you can head in that direction either way if you don't find a way to shut that down. Now, of course, I believe, and I'm not full-fledged psychologist, so, um, but many of the psychologists will teach people who are, have panic anxiety, breathing techniques Mm -hmm. to actually slow the process of panic down. Mm -hmm. So panic is about, you know, unfear that we can't get a handle on. Using tapping is a way to get a handle on that. 
is at least to at least stop that circuitry, that brain circuitry of the fear that is uncontrolled. Mm. So I think tapping is a good way. Now, will it start a panic attack? I have not experienced that, and nor have I read anything in the studies that actually say that. But it's certainly something to look into. Oh, I was saying that it would stop a panic attack. Start. It would... Head off. It would oh, like it would head stop off. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Stop. I thought you said it will start. Oh, one. no. 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 I was thinking that it would it would be a good way to, to calm yourself. Exactly. Get get out of that. Moment. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well. And we're sitting right next to each other, and there can still be <laughs> misconstrued information. <laughs> um, well, I want to ask you, Dr. Laurie, about. Um, I want you to just tell us, if you could briefly, just give us a glimpse into how do you teach people about healthy lifestyles? I know you mentioned eating, stress, disease, but just give us one example of something very concrete that people can learn about that you that you teach. Okay. So, yes, you know, we do have um, various things that you do. And here's what I say. You can do as the doctor does, or you can do what the doctor says. And my preference is always, if I'm seeing a healthcare provider, I want to know what you do for your personal health and well-being. So I have a one-day class coming up in Santa Fe, uh, a day with the doctor at the amazing, beautiful, and fabulous Sunrise Springs Wellness Resort, June 24th. And what I do is I take you through a brief, because we're only doing a day and we've got a whole host of activities, including fabulous spa cuisine, lunch, and spa treatments that are set up. But I take you through, here's how you begin to set up your day to minimize your stress. So one of the things that I do first thing in the morning, I wake up, I uh, most of the time allow myself enough time, at least 30 minutes, and that's really all it takes. If I have more time than that, I usually start off with writing in the morning because I am now offering people lots of information and that's my centering time for writing. So first thing upon waking, that's where my ideas come. And then after that, I go through a full tapping series. Now, I've also learned through my uh, practice with body and brain yoga, and I'm on the uh, health professionals advisory board with them. I've learned a full body tapping process. So I'm going to take uh, my participants in Santa Fe on June 24th through this sort of full body tapping uh, motion. And so we don't have to necessarily put verbal context with it, but I do this every single morning. Um, there's a tapping system that you use and what it does, it helps to uh, calm the nervous system and give us energize us to give us energy throughout the day. So there's tapping. So there's your morning. Uh, if you do morning writing, that's great. If you do a morning meditation, just to set forth what this day means for you and how you can already, before it's even happening, give thanks for it. So gratitude is is so so necessary. So what would you say to the people who say? I don't even have time for that. You know, it's like they're the ones that need it most, mm-hmm. but they absolutely are so caught up in just life yeah. that they can't actually take a step back 
and make something like that happen for themselves? Well, you're going to have to. If you want to be better, you have to retrain the brain in order to restore the body. You have to have a method in place. Knowledge is of no value to us without a practice. So there has to be a practice in place. So if we know that I should eat better, I hear people say that, or I should eat right. I hear that all the time. Well, then you have to put a practice in place that allows you to eat right. And I know you're doing a fast and you do, you eat right, or at least find ways to put that into your lifestyle. And so if we want something different from our lives, we're going to have to be the ones to create the change. Oh, but you just put your finger on it. If we want something different for our lives, then, then once we make the decision, then we can take the action. But I think that you have to make that decision. Yes. And I'm thinking of one person in particular who I was talking to about, starting something like this, yes, you know, and it was a lot of resistance and it wasn't possible. And I think it's because she didn't make the decision yet that she wants to make a change. That's exactly right. So you have to, you know, and sometimes we come to those decision points either by choice or by chance. And, you know, oftentimes the chance, um, meeting with these decisions comes by the way of crisis or health challenges. And then at some point you are forced to. Unfortunately, here's the paradigm for healthcare. We wait until we get sick and then we show up in the office of an expert, i.e. the doctor or a healthcare practitioner. And our expectation is that they will provide us or show us or give us the remedy to fix us. And really, I have to say, you can't fix what you won't face. So there's other elements in your life. It could be a part of your lifestyle and how much stress you are allowing yourself to remain under that then puts us in a place of health challenge or a health crisis. And until you face that, then we probably won't be able to fully fix it. Sure, we can give some, uh, a few remedies that may be helpful, but in terms of getting to the cause, you have to really be able to look at your life and begin to face it in order to fix it. Mm. So Dr. Larry, that's a great uh, segue to this next question I have for you, which is, was there a time in your life when you weren't doing the things that you know you need to do now in order to take care of yourself? Like, did you have a moment where you're like, okay, I need to change things up here? Oh, absolutely. I think we all come to at some point, uh, a crisis point or we hit the wall and part of hitting the wall for me as a physician was about, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, um, seeing a hundred patients a week, And that's a whole lot of patients. So over my career, I've seen almost 47,000, if not close to 50,000 patient visits. That's a lot of patients because when you look at uh, the healthcare system and the models that they have now put in place, physicians are required to see four patients an hour. So what did you, what happened in your crisis? So what I began to experience is I had never really not been healthy or not felt well. And I started to experience some digestive changes and I just could not put my finger on it. Um, you know, and here's the thing, 
But everyone that I was treating had digestive problems. Many people, not everyone, but many people. And when we look at, when I looked at that and started doing the research, the number three drug in this country being prescribed is a antacid, whether it be uh, uh, Nexium or or uh, Protonix or Pepsid, any of those. The number three drug in this country, and it's epidemic. And then I was becoming a part of the epidemic. I could not get a handle on my digestion, just could not. And so I went to my uh, holistic providers, an acupuncturist, and as he was working on me, he said to me, you have an emotional disconnect that's going on. Hmm. And I said, really? And I had to stop and think about this. So he was treating me using acupuncture, attempting to rebalance my uh, meridian system and create some homeostasis in my organ system, which was working. But he also challenged me and forced me to look at, he said, the reason this particular organ system is out of balance is because there's an emotional disconnect happening. And I thought, hmm, really? Okay. All right. See you next week. So as I was getting better, but not fully improved, I went to another colleague of mine who was also an MD and a homeopath. And I was on my way out of the country for uh, over a month. And I thought, now this is going to be really good. You're going to have to handle one, digestive issues, and two, being out of the country and being exposed to different foods. Uh, And so when I went to him, and he didn't know the acupuncturist, and he said, hmm, you've got an emotional disconnect going on. Mm. So that's the wake-up call. When more than one people approach you and tell you that there is something that you need to pay attention to, then it's time to listen. And as I began listening to what they were saying, I thought, no, I'm really not happy uh, doing seeing 100 patients a week. I'm really not happy operating at this pace. I love what I do, but not at the pace that I was doing it. So what did they mean by an emotional disconnect? So when, and this is for many of us, when your brain is not lining up with your body, your body takes over. And that's when you start to notice a symptom of some kind. So when you really get into a space, and a lot of this has to do with energetically, Okay, so we all have thoughts, and those thoughts lead to certain emotions. And we want to all stay in a state of emotional joy, contentment, peace, happiness. And when that's not really happening at a core level, our body recognizes that. And it causes chemical changes in the body that then start to alter how our physiology begins to, Mm -hmm. to work or not. And when that begins to happen, we start to notice physical changes in the body, whether it be pain or digestive disorders, common, very common complaints, you know, that I get to see all the time. Or why am I sick all the time? Or why do I have allergies so badly? Or why can't I correct these really kind of simple but yet annoying discomforts that we have? Um, So when that happens, 
I typically will then go to a mind-body approach with uh, my patients because I know they've been to every specialist, they've seen the, the gastroenterologist, they've taken or tried multiple medications that somehow did not complete full correction of the problem. So then I will ask my patients, I will say, so what in your life are you not stomaching? And so for you, you knew what it was. It sounds like you, you've put your finger on it, which was the, you weren't happy seeing all the patients Mm -hmm. and the fact that you were able to identify that and then do something about it. Presumably you did something about it. Yes. You got out of that situation. I got out of that situation and I created greater flexibility for my work life. Um, And I realized not everyone has the ability to do that. And I also recognize that our workplace, uh, our workplace situation is changing in this country. And the expectation is that we will continue to do more with less, and that will be at the expense of the employee. And that's what's going on. And and many people are holding on to their jobs for their health care insurance. And they're really needing the health care insurance because the jobs are making them ill. Right. Okay. Dr. Laurie, I am, uh, we're moving into a segment called Superpowers for Success. And so I want to ask you a few questions. They're sort of quicker, quick, quick round okay. questions here. Um, and the first one is, What does success in life mean for you? Uh, Success means having what it is that you want. And it could be an expansive, big, grand life, or it can be a simple life of pleasures, whether it be time with family and friends, or it could be, uh, you know, I want to live this big life of traveling the world. So I think success is very individual, and I think it can come in many different forms. What is it for you? For me, it is having the balance that I like. Um, For me, success is freedom and flexibility. Mm. That is what creates the balance. And once I have those things, now I have more time to do the things that I love which is dancing, which is some travel, which is spending time with family and friends. Um, So given that I have a little bit more flexibility and freedom, and that for me feels like a successful life, a a successful life. Yeah. Yes. And you talk about balance. Um, You've mentioned it a lot. Mm -hmm. And so what is balance for you? What does that mean? Uh, balance means just creating a life that feels centered. And for me, being in a, a prayer and meditative practice on a root, regular routine daily basis, that gives me grounding and balance. That is probably the number one thing. Um, so a lot of people talk about work-life balance mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a whole dialogue about how balance is really not achievable. It's really that you're juggling because when one ball is up, you know, you're holding the other one. You can't be doing everything at the same time. What would you say about that? Uh, I say, you know, balance is a state of mind. And if, you know, if you're juggling too many things that create stress in your life, then obviously that's not balance. But if you're juggling 
15 balls and loving, enjoying and experiencing in the fullest uh, capacity that you can and that you want to, that's balance. I here again, just, you know, training and studying with Dr. Joe Dispenza, he's in a different country every week. And you look at him and you say, how is that possible? He loves every minute of what he's doing. Okay. When did you know you were really good at what you do, Dr. Laurie? Oh, I think that's a, that's a learning process every day <laughs> knowing what you're, you're really good at what you do. One thing that I do know is what feels good. And if it feels good, it's probably good for you. And so how I'm creating the work with doing the wellness retreats and, uh, the day with a doctor and doing the seminars and doing the cooking classes that I also do, let your food be your medicine. Those things feel good to me. So I feel like I can give my best. I can give my all. Um, yes, I do have the training and the experience and the background that I think I can pull out and share and give to others. But I think feeling, um, good at what you do has a lot to do with feeling good about what you do. Mm. And, um, what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? Good question. I didn't know I had superpowers. (laughs) So I have to, I have to come up with what my, what my superpower is. Um, I think, uh, my superpower is being innovative and willing to step out on the edge. And I think it was always there, but I also think when you are training and you're in a corporate model or in a healthcare model that I trained in for 12 years, you are a little reluctant to step out on the edge because now you're indoctrinated to the system. And I see this all the time with other women in the corporate workplace. They are indoctrinated into a system that's been put in place, not by them, but by someone else. And I think my superpower is being able to step out on the edge and follow my own path and feel good about it. And it sounds like teach other people that path too. Yes, absolutely. And I encourage that. And we get people to a place of comfort that they can see it for themselves. So often when we're in our lives and working on all of these things, we come against roadblocks or big challenges and it sort of derails us. How do you, what do you do when you get knocked down? You get, but if you can look up, you can get up. So that's what you do. If you can look up, you can get up. You know, it's interesting. We all can be knocked down and, you know, being knocked fully down or just being knocked down a notch. That's just, I think, part of the human experience. Um, I think there is a level of resilience that comes with being a physician because I get to pick everyone else up when they're knocked down. So I don't always have the, the leeway um, to, to stay down myself too long. Mm-hmm. So I recognize that I have to use this internal strength, this internal power, as you say, and find a way to see the light above the circumstances, no matter what they are, and pull through. And I think much of that comes from just training as a physician. And do you identify as a feminist? 
Um, I'm not going to say I'm a feminist because I don't think I do identify as a feminist. I think, uh, women as well as all people have the power to move themselves forward in this lifetime that we are now living. And I, however, I also recognize it wasn't always that way. Um, so I think, I don't know that the feminist is a, a, a great term that we have to use these days because we have the capability of picking, choosing, deciding to do what we want to do and who we want to be with it. And Dr. Lori, um, just a couple quick questions sure. here. What are you reading right now? Like what's on your nightstand? Oh, actually, I'm reading uh, Ariana Huffington from the Huffington Post. I'm reading her book, Thrive. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I'm really liking the model that she is setting forth for the corporate workplace uh, for not answering cell phone, creating boundaries, not answering your cell phone after five, unless it's critical to your position. Because I think we are overconnected, overworked, overloaded, um, as well as overfed and overspend. And it's really high time that we start to get over that. And this is something you talk about to, to your patients too, and in your classes and things, but it's a really hard one to get through for some people who have the kinds of jobs where, um, they're expected to just be available all the time. So what, what would you say? Like, how does someone start creating that boundary? I think you just have to say it. You just have to say it. At no point in the history of this lifetime have we experienced so much connectivity. Um, we are now responsible for our own calls and our own correspondence, as well as producing what is necessary to bring revenues in into our workplace. And I think the expectation is far greater than any of us, any human has experienced. And so at some point, we all have to decide where's our boundaries. And I also think we have to keep the conversation going because now if you're talking to your coworker and they're experiencing the same thing and you get to say, well, wait a minute, this is not in our best interest. And now we have more and more employees who are saying this is not in our best interest. At some point, you know, our corporate leaders have to take a look at it. And the truth of the matter is they're experiencing the same thing. They're operating on overdrive and it's really not in our most productive place in the American workplace. Hmm. And lastly, Dr. Laurie, what advice would you give your younger self? Your, what, what advice would you give you when you were 25 or 30? I love it. It's, uh, it's Edgar Tolley and I had to learn it over the years, uh, find the beauty in today. And so I use that as every day has something beauty to beautiful to present to us and for us to look for it, to find it, to capture it and to marvel in it. Um, but I also, and all of my friends know this and people that I, uh, associate with as well as my patients and my clients, you know what, keep finding the fun. Because that's the thing that helps to reset and retrain the brain. If we are just overloaded in our daily lives with the have tos, the need tos that are, is creating a level of stress that now we have to find ways to combat. If you have some element of fun and laughter and joy that you can find in your everyday life, it will begin to negate 
all of the challenges that we experience on a regular basis. Dr. Laurie, thank you so much for being on the program today. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. And I just think what you're doing is creating connectivity with women. And I think by doing so, you're also creating community and that within community, we can find both power and strength. So thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for our show today. I've been speaking with Dr. Lori Eanes, osteopathic doctor and instructor with Food for Life and an EFT practitioner, also a spokesperson on TV. I spoke with Dr. Lori about achieving emotional well-being for physical health, the mind-body connection, and how to nurture it for optimal health while creating balance and the wake-up call that made her realize she needed to slow down. You can get Dr. Lori's worksheet, Do As The Doctor Does, at www.wellwomanlife.com slash 023 show. Our monthly live event, Well Woman Drinks, brings women together to share our successes and challenges as women leaders, moms, aunts, sisters, and all the other roles we carry. If you'd like to attend a Well Woman Drinks near you, or if there isn't one yet in your city and you'd like to start one, email me at info at wellwomanlife.com. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week for you. You can also continue the conversation in the Well Woman Life community group at facebook.com groups slash Well Woman Life community. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening today, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.